Good morning. It's good to uh, good to see all of you. Uh, I think we still have some folks maybe out of town and, and things. Spring, uh, fall break. I just was informed that. Olivia is back. Fall break. That's, uh, that's always nice. <laughs> uh, just a heads up, we uh, started our new quarter this morning. Uh, uh, Adam uh, is teaching uh, the book of Philippians, and it's absolutely excellent, and you know that Adam is always going to do a great job. We are also starting on Wednesday night. We'll be studying the book of Daniel, and there will be booklets. I'm going to have those sitting out there tonight, so you can grab one and uh, start uh, your observations on the first chapter of Daniel. Hope you'll be a part of that. The plan is uh, that when we know Daniel, and uh, you'll, you'll just know it backwards and forwards, right? So when you know Daniel backwards and forwards uh, after the first of the year, then we'll transition to Revelation. Uh, fun, fun. Uh, and, and so, but you got to know Daniel before you know Revelation. Daniel has the code. And so we'll, uh, that, that's the plan, Lord willing. Uh, we will do that. So I hope you'll engage in that uh, with all your heart and uh, uh, have uh, some, some great fun in, in doing so. Parable of the sower. Easy parable, right? It's just, uh, just one, of those, one of those parables that everybody knows and uh, seems to be uh, quite simple to us. We read it and think in terms of uh, the four soils and how different people receive the gospel. So that, uh, that, that starts out real, real simply. However, as Crash read for us this morning, there were some things that you might have noticed in the text that are challenging. Uh, to you it has been given, Jesus said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. There are people to whom it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, and there are people to whom it is not given to have the secrets of the kingdom. And Jesus makes it very plain in this particular text that there are individuals that he has spoken parables to so that they wouldn't be saved. Now swallow that one and check it out. And the first thing I would think of is, is he talking about me? It is interesting in this particular text that we have some really strong messages that are given by the Lord here. And this is the first of all his parables. And he gives this strong parable because this parable is the parable in which that sets up all other parables. And Jesus will later say, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any of them? It's critical for us to catch the meaning of the parable and the context that centers around this particular parable. It, it's noted in Mark's account, Mark chapter 4 and verse 13. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? He has to instruct the disciples on what this parable actually means for them to understand. This parable is about hearing. 
And it's not about hearing in the sense that there were thousands who came and heard him speak. It's hearing in the sense that somebody hears it and actually does something about it. Hears it in the sense of following up with it. It is a hearing parable. And Jesus is challenging these people to hear like they've never heard before. And he tells it in parables because they don't listen. Pretty remarkable. He's trying to get them to wake up. And they will not wake up. Now, is the parable of the sower simple? It is not. It is a huge challenge to every single human being. Who are we going to be when we stand before the Lord? Let's notice and get ready to hear the parable itself. See the context just for a moment, very quickly. First and foremost, he mentions repeatedly in this particular chapter, Matthew 13, there are actually nine parables given on this day. Matthew records eight of the parables. The first five, the first four parables Matthew records are to the people. There are actually five. Mark includes one other. Five parables that are given to the multitudes. Four parables after they go into the house that Jesus gives to his disciples that define discipleship. But these first five parables are critical to the multitude to get them to understand the kingdom of God. Now please notice, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to, and when you read those words, it is sometimes difficult to say, well, what am I reading when I say, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven shall be compared to? Think of kingdom as the kingship of Jesus. The kingship of Jesus shall be compared to. The kingship of Jesus, when he delivers his words and goes out and tries to spread his gospel message, it shall be compared to. This is the way it is going to go forth. This is the way it's going to be heard. This is the way it's going to grow. This is what it's going to encounter as it goes out into the world. This is the way you should understand my kingship. This is the way you should see that my kingship develops or does not develop in the hearts and minds of people. This is what you need to understand when I become king just in a few years. That's what Jesus is saying when he begins these parables. And all of them are telling us something about the kingdom of heaven. Something that we would not have expected. Something certainly the Jews did not expect. In their dull of hearing, they could not hear what Jesus was saying. Secondly, just notice that Jesus' explanation of the parable of the sower is given after all the parables are given. We find this a little bit later in verse 34. All the parables are given, and then Jesus will give the interpretation of the parable of the sower when they go, in, when they go into the house and the disciples ask him about it. So it's critical to note that. Mark's account says it this way. When the disciples say to him, why do you preach to them in parables? Why do you speak to them this way? And Mark's account says, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. The power of that statement is notable. 
Jesus is telling the disciples, there is a reason that I'm doing this. You have come in, and to you it has been given the mysteries, to know the secrets and mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But those who are outside, first off, you want to just circle that in your mind, the word outside. Those who are outside. But those who are outside are all believers. Everyone in the crowd is believers in God. Everyone in the crowd are Jews. Everyone in the crowd are synagogue worshipers, temple worshipers. Everybody in the crowd is, is are, none of them are people who are atheists or who do not know who God is. They are aware of God. He is talking to his people. And he says and calls them outsiders. They're outsiders. They don't understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. They don't understand the mysteries. They have not accumulated and assimilated what God is doing, what his purposes are. I am uh, rereading Matt Henneke's book on leadership right now. Fantastic book, just reminding me of the great things that he gave us when he was here for the weekend. But one of the things Matt indicated was there are people who constantly worship and are religious and have no purpose. That's these people. They don't know the purpose. They don't know what the kingdom is like. They don't know what it is. I had some Bible studies recently with a preacher who had been preaching for 30 years in the slightest idea what the kingdom of God was. He had the slightest idea what the purposes of God's kingdom was. He'd been giving lessons just on topics and topics and topics and could not see the big picture. We can worship and not have a purpose. There's a purpose that God gives in everything that we do. Everything He's asked us to do. And as Matt said in his book, it's so easy just to get to the point where we're looking at the scope of what do we got to do right now. Oh, today we go to worship. Today we do this. Then we do this. And we're done. And then we go home. And then we get back to our purposes. God has a purpose. And he says, the kingdom of heaven, this is what it looks like. And this is the way it is received. And this is the way it is not received. And so he gives a very strong mention here. Please notice these words. He speaks to them in parables, everything in parables. And then you notice the words, so that. So that indeed they may see, see and not perceive, indeed they may hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. I'm telling them in parables, lest they turn and be forgiven. You imagine being in the house with him and you're thinking, wait a minute, I thought we were here to save the world and you're not doing that. You're turning around and giving them these little parables. Lord, can you imagine what it was like? All of us need to step into the wilderness with him just for a second and imagine what it was like. You're coming to hear this great prophet and Messiah that people are saying is the Messiah and he tells you a story about a guy who plants seeds and then he tells you a story about, about a, a field that has weeds in it. And then he tells you a story about, uh, about how a lady put some leaven in, in, a, in a lump of bread and, and, it, and it grew. And he tells you a story about a mustard seed that was planted and it grew to be a great tree. And he told you a story about 
a farmer who planted some seed and then just slept and woke and slept and woke and slept and woke. And one day he said, oh, it's time to harvest. And he went out and harvested. And he says, thanks, folks. And he left and went into a house. What are you going to, how are you going to evaluate that preacher? What are you going to think about that preacher? That preacher didn't bring any applications. That preacher was really bad on applications. <laughs> he told some great stories. He told some stories that I'm quite familiar with. I'm a farmer. I understand those stories. What's the point? The point, Jesus said, is the kingdom of heaven. Are you listening? And at the end of each of these, he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And everybody walked away, except for some who walked into the house and said, Would you please explain the parable? Now, is the parable of the sower easy? Not so easy. Wait a minute, something is going on here that we need to understand. Both Isaiah and Jesus are teaching an entirely different standard of commitment in hearing when God speaks. What it means to hear when God speaks. Isaiah showed the standard and Jesus turned around and said, in you it's been fulfilled exactly what was going on in Isaiah's day. And he brings it home in a strong way. God required from Israel a high commitment and has always required of His people a high commitment of listening to what He says. And we're going to need to see what that really means to listen to what He says. Now consider Jesus' explanation here. The disciples come to Him and say, why do you speak to them in parables? Chapter 13, verse 10. We would say it this way. Why do you speak to them in hidden messages? Why don't you just plainly say it? Why don't you just plainly tell us what it is? That, that just seems so silly, Jesus. I, could, I can just imagine as a preacher walking into the back and people walking by me and saying, I don't understand why you didn't just plainly tell us what this meant. Why didn't you just tell us plainly? Why did you tell all these things and then, and, then, and then suggest that there's some message in it that I'm supposed to figure out? That'd be pretty odd, wouldn't it? It would only take a few weeks of that and we'd say, we need a new preacher. <laughs> but that's what they say. Why, why, do you, why do you do this? Why not just spell this out? And Jesus' answer is basically, this is the way you teach dull people. In fact, in verse 34 and 35, Jesus, uh, Matthew comments, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Now, in this case, he doesn't quote Isaiah as he did earlier. Matthew is now commenting, this is what was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. That is a quotation from Psalm 78, a very lengthy psalm. The psalm starts out 
with the greatness of what God has done and then progresses and talks about the rebellion that the Israelites continually did in the midst of the great ways that God had done and ends with their destruction because they will not listen. He spoke to them parables, things that were planned since the foundation of the world. He gives us the first hint as to what's the problem with dull people. Dull people don't listen because dull people have not been impressed with what God has done. Dull people don't listen because dull people are not impressed with the seriousness of the condition that they have in the sight of God and the seriousness of eternity. And the seriousness of the blessings that God has provided. All through Psalm 78, he says, look what he did, then look what they did. Look what he did, and then look what they did. No one showed a, an appreciation, a deep fall on your face before God, appreciation for what he did. No, no, no. They simply went after their di desires and passions. The dull person is not impressed with God. Oh, no, that's not to say I don't think God's God. Come on. This is perfect for dull people. Because dull people need to be woken up. And Jesus gives a story. Would you at least listen to a simple story and say, I need to know more about it? Nope. Got my sermon for the day. I'm going home. And that's what they did. The goal of a parable is to get people to repent. Please do not misunderstand that. At the end of the parable, he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's not that he doesn't want anybody to repent. It's not that he doesn't want dull people to repent. Jesus, Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, God is not willing that any should be lost, but that all should come to repentance. But he still is saying this because there are certain people he doesn't want to be with him in eternity. And that's pretty evident. The parable is a test for the hearer to keep the dull of hearing from being saved. We must understand something. God is looking for us to desire Him above everything else. Nothing can step in this place where God is. Nothing can be in His place in our minds. Nothing can be in His place in our activities and the things that we are to do. Nothing can take His place because when it does, it's idolatry. And God, as he has said many times, is a jealous God. And the problem with dull people is they're not appreciating that. Are there dull people in every church? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just because we all come together does not make it so I'm not dull or you're not dull. We have to get this examination down hard. We are too rich. It's killing us 
We are too free. It's killing us. We can do whatever we want. It's killing us. Do you actually think that if all we could do every day is to make enough money to eat at the end of the day by going out and milking our cows and, and feeding some flocks and we had to work 12-hour days and it had took the all 12 hours of the day from daylight sun up to sundown to just get enough to get on the table. Do you think we'd be worried about a gender? <laughs> You think we're worried about what kind of fun we're going to have next? That's what's killing us. It's killing our desire because the desires are everywhere. Satan's eating it up. We must pursue him with everything we have. Jesus isn't interested in dull people. He told parables and he said it plainly. I'm telling him in parables, lest they be saved. Say, so how could that possibly be? And yet, are there parts of Scripture that we look at briefly, shrug it off or ignore it? Are there parts of Scripture that we just kind of say, well, it's just too hard for me. I'll just ignore that and read the parts that I, that I get along with better and that fit me better? Do we find coffee cup verses to put around? So dangerous, because that's what was going on here. Let's go back to Isaiah for a second. Let's see the context of what actually was happening when Isaiah was told this. In Isaiah chapter 6, after Isaiah's mouth had been touched with the uh, hot coal, burning coal from the altar, and God said, Who shall I send? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. And in verse 9, God said to Isaiah, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then he said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until the cities lie waste without inhabitant and the houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away for the, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it's felled. The holy seed is its stump until I've cut the whole nation down and all there's left is a stump. Fortunately, in chapter 11, a branch came up out of the stump and offered salvation to the world. Look at what he did. Make the heart of this people dull. How, how does that happen? Make the heart of this people dull. Dull people. These Israelites were not impressed. This is 700 B.C. They've been in existence for 700 years. 
and they still don't appreciate what God is doing for them. And he says, just keep telling them. And the more he told them, the madder they got. And the more he told them, the more ornery they turned. And the more he told them, the more dull they became. The more they just said, heard it last week, Isaiah. Heard it last week. Heard the same thing last week. And then they went and offered their animal sacrifice and their incense and their Passover feast and their Pentecost feast and their Tabernacles feast and they did all of them and God said, just keep telling them until I destroy every single one of them. God's not interested in dull people. He makes that very clear here. How long, O Lord? You know what dawned on me about that? Isaiah is saying, how long do you want me to keep preaching to them? And God's answer was, until there's just none left. Until they just completely are gone because they won't listen. The bottom line is, there is a huge danger at any part of our lives, especially our youth, but it doesn't matter when, because our dullness is hard to heal. It's hard to change. The Laodiceans, who God, who Jesus called lukewarm, he said, You are rich and have need of nothing, and you do not know. Listen to those words. You do not know that you're blind and naked. You don't know your condition. It's hard for dull people to recognize their condition. You see, when you get into that realm, it's hard to change. And so God says, how long? Just keep doing it. And they're never going to turn. And here they are, 700 years later, and Jesus comes along and quotes the same thing, and nothing has changed. It's passed on from generation to generation to generation. When we are dull, we show everybody else what dullness looks like. We show everybody else that dullness is okay. We show everybody else that not pursuing God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength is just fine. That's what we do. It's such a dangerous thing. Not only for ourselves, but for everyone around us who observes it. These are believers. These were believers. And we need to be impressed with that. Hearing but never seeking or doing is evident based on desires that are far more impressive to us than God. Now the parable describes, as you know, different ways that people become dull. That's how he describes it. Look at it quickly. You know them. The seed on the path. Some be believers, he says, the seed on the path, it, 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 and, and what happens? They do not understand when the word is taught to them. Now, do they not understand it? Because it's too hard? Of course not. They do not understand it. 
Verse 19, anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That, was the, that is what was sown along the path. They're not putting the effort in to understand it. And if you don't put the effort in to understand it now, now, urgency here, because if you don't, the devil snatches it away. It's exactly like when somebody tries to sell me something that I don't want. They could give me an hour and a half spiel. Don't you love those on the uh, timeshare things, you know? We just, we just got one of those cool things, you know. If you come, Scott just moved to Phoenix. If you come to Phoenix, you can have four days free at this resort. Just listen to our spiel. We've done that before. I have no interest in that junk. I don't have the money for that junk, but I have no interest in that junk. And I tried to tell the salesman at the beginning, I have no interest in this. Just so you don't waste your time. But that's the way we're doing with God. And that's the danger. And then Satan snatches that. It's an urgency to respond because dullness just multiplies. And then rocky ground, initially excited, but never grown. It's the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. He's so excited, and yet there's no root in him. He endures just for a little while. And then what happens? Tribulation, persecution, some tough times come, and immediately he falls away. He's not interested in what it takes to go through a trial for Jesus. Serving Jesus isn't a piece of cake. It is intended that we prove our love for him instead of proving to Satan that he's right, like he said to Job, these people just serve you just because things are going too well for them. That's the only reason, not because they love you. And then there's thorny ground believers. Christ is not the real source and true meaning of their life. There's thorns all around them, the cares of the world, the riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And you notice what it does. It chokes the word so they don't bear fruit. And all that in the world is, is time. It takes time to seek the Lord. It takes time to get rid of dullness. It takes time to develop a taste for God and His Word so that you can't stand it unless you spend time with Him. The whole point of the Garden of Eden and the whole point of reproducing the Garden of Eden in the next, in the next life is because we want to be with God. Not because we've proved on the earth that there's everything else in the world that we prefer over Him. This is the scary part of this. Urgent things choke out the work. Urgent things get in our way. Urgent things are choking away our time with God. The important things are His kingdom. Seek first His kingdom, His kingship. His kingdom might be spread in the hearts of men, our family, ourselves together, so that we grow stronger and we can be who we ought to be. And the good ground 
what do they do? The good ground hears and the good ground understands. Isn't it critical? The good ground bears fruit. You know, I think that's, as I thought about this for the last two weeks, the good ground bears fruit. None of the others bore fruit. We could talk about the choking. We could talk about the tribulation. We could talk about the wayside ground and all this. But the good ground bears fruit. Who are we if we don't bear fruit? Which soil are we if we don't bear fruit? We're one of the others. Our end goal is to bear fruit. I have to always ask myself, are you bearing fruit? Not are you religious. Not are you singing, praying, taking Lord's Supper, giving. Am I bearing fruit? John 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a branch is not bearing fruit, he says, I cut it off and I throw it in the fire. Are you bearing fruit? That's a strong one. Very quickly, the crowd never understood final comments. They never understood the secrets of the kingdom. Isn't that sad? Religious, believing in God people. And they never understood the secrets of the kingdom and never bothered to follow Jesus in the house and say, I want it. I want to know. Pretty sad. Secondly, someone today and someone then could call Jesus a pretty bad preacher. Jesus, you just need to do better than that. Why didn't you make it plain to everybody and give them a chance? And Jesus instead called them bad listeners. Do you know there's more said about listening in the Bible than there is ever is about speaking God's Word? It's the listeners that God always whacked because He presented what should be heard. We can't expect that everything we initially hear is going to be simple. What Jesus gave that day was not simple, was it? The story sounded simple, but the message was deeper than the story. And he expected them to get a taste and a desire. He expected them to stimulate themselves, to want to understand. God writes that way all the way through the Bible. We, we read it. I've done it. You know you've done it. We've all done it. I've done it too many times. Read a passage, didn't understand it. Well, ah. I'll come to that, back to that sometime. That's a bad seeker. No, you need to know it. Maybe it'll take you a year to know it, but go after it. Because this is God revealing his mind. And he wants to know we strive. And he wants to know we love him. And that we want to see him. And finally, did you notice verse 12? To the one who has, more will be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. If you're not going to seek it, he'll take it all away. You'll lose it. But if you seek it, 
He'll bless you with more. He'll give you more and more. It's like eating a good meal. And you don't know it's good. And you refuse to try it. Because you're like one of those kids. I don't eat red stuff. <laughs> but if you'll taste it. Oh, he'll give you more. Want peach cobbler at the end? Ah, you got to eat your dinner. You get more. Now, Jesus called out at the end. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I always think about what that must have sounded like. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's what the parable's about. What kind of hearers are we? If you're not a Christian, or if there's any way we can help you, you need help getting a taste for His Word and desiring His Word. I'm here to help you. I'd love to help you. Others here would love to help you. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to stand and sing this song as we do.